0: Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Michelle Valdovinos, Vice President of Research and Marketing of the Phoenix Cultural Access Group and co-author of A Snapshot of the U.S. Hispanic Market, the first chapter of the Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations book. Today's discussion will be based on her chapter. Michelle oversees the firm's marketing functions and leads the senior management analysis and review team to provide actionable insights and recommendations for the company's clients. Michelle brings more than 12 years of professional experience, having worked in high-profile industries such as network television, entertainment, international marketing, and Hispanic market advertising. She began her career at Univision, where, as audience research director, she conducted Nielsen television ratings analysis and market research. She then went on to 20th Century Fox, where she was manager of research in the International Television Department. At Fox, her responsibilities included extensive research for the launch of Fox's Latin American cable channels. Michelle is Mexican-American and fully bilingual and bicultural, and has traveled through Latin America and Europe, Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is so exciting to hear about all this new information. Let's talk a little bit about the general picture of the U.S. Hispanic markets. What size population are we talking about?
1: Well, it's interesting because there are uh, some ranges of numbers that you will see there. Uh, The conservative estimates are 38 million. Sometimes you'll see numbers as high as 40 million, uh, which can translate to about 14, 15% of the uh, total U.S. population. Now, the reason you might see different numbers is because a lot of times organizations will make their own projections based off of the census data from 2000. Census, of course, provides projections, for those interim years, uh, but many times those projections have been thought to be fairly conservative, or have proven to be fairly conservative, and therefore some organizations will develop some more what we might call aggressive estimates of projections for interim years. Uh, what's also very interesting is that when you think about this population, that 14 or 15 percent of the total U.S. population is. Is really a national figure. Almost anywhere you go in the U.S., it will actually be um, a little bit different. So, for example, in a market like Los Angeles, um, especially in some key parts of that of the city, you know, Hispanics can be 60 as much as 70 percent of the population. Uh, that 14 percent is just a national number. So, really think about um, the very Hispanic dense areas of the US and it will be quite higher.
0: Michelle, essentially what we're seeing in terms of why there is a range of numbers is because some research companies such as your own are using very conservative numbers based only on the census data. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Some some organizations will will use just uh, what the census provides, others will Take those projections and maybe be more aggressive with them and and create new estimates. Uh, but as a general sense, you're going to be very close to that census number projection.
0: I have heard numbers as high as 44 million, and those numbers, if I'm understanding correctly, are numbers that are using projections and that are also including Hispanics that perhaps were not included in the census count because of being illegal immigrants or because they didn't participate in the process.
1: Right, there's always a concern about uh, the census undercount. I can tell you that uh, the concern was far greater in the 1990 census than it was in the 2000 census. Um, There were actually quite a lot of efforts in the 2000 census to really reach out to um, many, 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 not just Hispanic, but many different ethnic communities to help them understand why it would be important to participate and not to be afraid. Uh, there, were, there was quite a lot of research and messaging that went into that. And the approach that they took, by the way, was very interesting. Rather than just coming with a message, and this is after a lot of research was done, rather than just coming with a message that said, don't be afraid of the census, what they did was they sort of turned it all around and said, you know, this is why you should participate in the census, because understanding how many people live in your neighborhood, so they brought it to the neighborhood level, helps us understand where to allocate the resources. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't let yourself be counted, that was one of the catchphrases, let yourself be counted, then you are sort of shortchanging your neighborhood from the resources that should be allocated there. And that message really resonated because a lot of ethnic communities, you know, focus on their children, and they wanted to make sure that, um, you know, their children, the neighborhoods, the schools, the the communities had the resources that they were entitled to. So it it really did go a long way to make sure that they were overcoming the undercount issue. Of course, it can't be perfect, and you should assume that some undocumented were not included. But I think that. Um, it's, it's a far, far better census than it was in 1990.
0: Oh, I've heard that the numbers from some organizations, I've heard that the number of undercounted was very large. Would you venture to guess what number or what percentage of the Hispanic population was undercounted?
1: Well, uh, I don't know that I would venture to guess. I, I would say that uh, the number that I had heard tossed around a lot in 1990 was 5 million people. Now, if it's gotten better since then, and I have to assume it got somewhat better, um, you, know, you can assume it's certainly less than 5 million. That would be my guess if I had to put a number to it.
0: I also heard recently that Brazilians are included in that count because when they were given a choice to select, respondent's choice under the Latin category included Brazilians, Is that correct?
1: I don't know that I know. Uh, I haven't read a lot about that. Um, I can tell you that the the ethnic origin slash nationality question definitely did change in the 2000 census, and it's something that, um, is really gonna be really important to to us in the industry because it it's clearly because it's new, it you know, it's different than they had ever done it before. But the idea behind it was to be able to really separate sort of race, if you think of race as either white, black, uh, etc., from origin. So the the push was to be able to for example distinguish between black Hispanics and white Hispanics, so that race was not associated with heritage or origin. But I had not heard as much about the Brazilian um, situation.
0: You mentioned earlier that in addition to the traditional Hispanic-focused areas of the country, or in addition to the areas where Hispanics have traditionally settled in the United States, such as New York, LA, Chicago, Miami, Houston, et cetera, that there is a, an area or a section of the Hispanic population that has been settling in what are being called as booming areas, or that there is a booming population of Hispanics in these areas. Can you share a little bit about that with us?
1: Yes, actually, uh, we've heard about this most – it's actually been sort of in two phases, if you will. Um, For some years now, we've been hearing about markets like Las Vegas and Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, That is not – it's new in the relative history of the Hispanic market industry, uh, but it's not the newest news. What's really been the most recent developments with respect to emerging markets is the influx of Mexicans into the Southeast. So you have, for example, South and Southeast. So in a study we were doing, for example, last year, uh, we were interviewing African-Americans and, and white families, and they start talking in Birmingham, Alabama. We were in Birmingham, Alabama doing the study. and you know, lo and behold, they start talking to us about, you know, the Mexicans in that area. So, uh, you know, there's a, a a new development there that the infrastructure is only just catching up to uh, with Hispanics, particularly of Mexican origin, uh, moving into those communities, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, um, parts of Florida. So uh, a very interesting development with respect to... The Hispanic population
0: in the U.S. Why the South and the Southeast? Any idea?
1: Well, our understanding is certainly uh, because of job opportunities. Uh, There are many, um, certainly some agricultural areas there that uh, definitely uh, need some help. Definitely a lot of construction. Of course, you heard some of this around the conversations about rebuilding New Orleans. Uh, You heard how, you know, uh, Hispanics were, were. were in that area, um, you know, definitely looking to find work in some of the rebuilding efforts and even to the extent that legislation was sort of being put into place to allow um, these workers to be hired as part of the rebuilding effort. So uh, job opportunities, clearly. Um, There's factory work, agricultural work, uh, construction work in those markets that are that are bringing people there for jobs.
0: Are there any other reasons, such as existing settlements or any anything in terms of ease of migration?
1: Well, I think that it's, it's definitely safe to say, for example, in North Carolina, Raleigh has been a market of interest for some time. So it's certainly safe to say that you know having somewhat of an established, and, and I say somewhat because it's... Relatively less so than, you know, like a Los Angeles, for example. But having somewhat of an established market will definitely lend itself to, you know, increasing network of, uh, of Hispanics, you know, migrating to that area. Um, that's been seen, you know, throughout immigration history that, you know, when somebody gets into a place and gets settled. They can certainly be in a position to, you know, motivate others to come to that same area. So, possible that if you think of, you know, Raleigh, for example, as a pioneer market, it's not surprising that now we're seeing other areas within North Carolina and South Carolina, for that matter, you know, attracting attracting more immigration to those areas, or even migration within, you know, uh, for example, I mentioned uh, that a market like San Francisco, San Jose, um, actually decreasing uh, proportionate relative to other markets um, in market size. Um, Some of that is due to the fact that Hispanics are leaving this particular market for job opportunities in other nearby markets. Um, They, so it's not as if all of these emerging markets are just people coming directly from country of origin but occasionally uh, Hispanics coming from within traditional markets of the U.S. to
0: new markets within the U.S. Michelle, thank you for joining us and to our audience. Thank you for listening to today's interview with Michelle Valdovinos, Vice President of Research and Marketing of the Phoenix Cultural Access Group and co-author of A Snapshot of the U.S. Hispanic Market, the first chapter of the Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations book brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. For more information on how to reach Hispanics with marketing and public relations tools, including a presentation by Michelle Valdovinos, visit our resources section at www.HispanicMPR.com. That's www dot dot com.